Hello everyone, this is Brian Ferguson, the host of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I want to tell you about a new podcast out called Fouls Count Anywhere. It is a classic pro wrestling podcast that brings you the legends of wrestling with true wrestling fans Chris DiCarlo and Charlie Turner. They bring on guests that are legends in this business as well as wrestlers of today, promoters, referees, you name it, they have them on there, folks. And I encourage you to listen to them. If you're on YouTube, watch them. They drop every Saturday. They have their podcast. They drop it in the afternoon. So look forward to that podcast coming out. Falls Count Anywhere podcast with Chris DiCarlo and Charlie Turner. Folks, you will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. And enjoy the podcast. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today has been a part of wrestling since she was born. Yes. She is a lifetime member of the Cauliflower Alley Club. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce Miss Mrs. Paige Von Hess Sutherland. And I have my sidekick again today, Mr. George Shire. I Paige, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate thank you it. For, thank you so much for having me, guys. We, Such a pleasure. We've, it was uh, great to meet you at the Cauliflower Alley Club reunion this past uh, August yes. uh, in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew of you before. I had seen you uh, the year before. Uh, and, but, you know, and now, from what I understand... You are part of uh, the Queens at the CAC. You are the fourth member. I certainly with, am. With Barbara Goodish, Darlis Staggs, and Pamela Morrison. You are the- What a trio. All of them yeah. are good friends of mine. Sweethearts. Yes. They are dolls. They are sweet ladies. And I was yes. honored to be crowned after our Mike yeah. seminar. I was just, I yeah. could not believe it. Just make sure they don't get you into trouble. <laughs> hey, well, I know all I know all of them, and especially you know Darla. Them very well. <laughs> and I know Darla especially. She's she's a sweetie. So yeah, she certainly yeah. is. They all yes. are wonderful ladies. She just yes. recently left Minnesota here just this past month. She retired from her job and she took off, moved to Florida, and she's gonna be down there with Barbara Goodish. So I so love that. Yeah. Uh, Sounds a beautiful place to retire and with Barbara. Like how much better can that be? <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Barbara Goodish is just a just a great lady. So oh. she is. And Pam, Pam Morrison too. Wow. Pam is oh, good. Yeah. They're, they're all, all great ladies. The Queens they're are all good ladies. Absolutely. <laughs> and now they're international for sure because you live in Canada. I know Barbara's originally from New Zealand. However, she lives in the States. You live in Canada, so now they're truly international we certainly are <laughs> <laughs> all right Paige let's talk a little bit you are the daughter of Kurt Von Hess I didn't I failed to mention that before I want to get into if we could Paige about you growing up what was that like I mean because your dad uh he was pretty uh 
he got a lot of heat uh, in his day when he was when when he was healed. He was one of the last ones that, I, from what I've read and understand, one of the last know, ethnic heels. Yes. Yeah, ethnic heels. And what was that like for you growing up? What was? Oh. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> um, my earliest memory of my dad uh, was I didn't know he was a wrestler at all. I mean, I was only five, maybe four or five. My earliest memories, um, he used to have an Orange Crush truck that he would, uh, a distributorship of uh, Frito-Lay Orange Crush. And that's what, because a lot of guys, wrestlers back then had actual jobs and did this stuff on the weekends. And, you know, so I didn't know about all this until he came home one day and he took his hat off and he shaved his head. And back then, men did not do that. Never. Like, you just didn't see it. Today's society, yeah, it's, everybody You just does. lose it naturally today. <laughs> they lose it naturally, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but with my dad, he shaved his head off and he did his hair off. And um, he, when he took his hat off, I was playing out front. And I looked and he, go, and he goes, what do you think? And, I, and I'm like, I, I, could, I couldn't <laughs> believe he did that. And I didn't know why. And I cried and cried and I went in the house and and my dad came in and comforted me and he goes, it's okay, I'm still your dad. And he was telling me about wrestling and, you know, I had not a clue what he did. Wow. So he, uh, yeah, he really, he comforted me and, and you know, it was, it was just a very uh, uh, shocking thing to see your dad like that. And uh, yeah. from then on, he, I mean, he had already been wrestling for several years uh, since, since I was born. So yeah. my first, so my memory is like four and five years old and looking at this bald dude and uh, he ended up uh, <laughs> um, turning into Kurt Von Hess. So prior to that, he was Big Bill Terry and he worked uh, a lot of the Pittsburgh TV and he used to work Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens, things like that and the Ohio towns, and then he turned it that, when I saw him with the bald head, that was him turning into Kurt Von Hess, and uh, from there, we ended up uh, going on the road, and we were on the road for 10 years, and moved 17 times. Wow. Uh, yes, from the age of five, and we came home when I was 15. Were yeah. you an only child, or did you have other siblings? No. I also have another sibling, Allison. She's two years younger than me. Okay. And uh, so my sister and I and my mother and my dad uh, packed up everything. Um, we'd lived in Hamilton our whole lives. And my mom came from Scotland and uh, immigrated here and married my dad. And then from there, we uh, went to Calgary. My dad was called out to Calgary by Stu Hart. And uh, he went out ahead of time, and then we went out, and we had to ship everything out to Calgary. And when we got there, uh, it was in, I think, October of that year. He was in there in oh. September. And by December, beginning of September, he was the champion. Oh, wow. And, yes. And uh, he was only 29 years old. And wow. Stu saw something in him that... Uh, I mean, he had natural talent. He was trained well. And uh, he was trained by uh, Benny Lima, Jack Wentworth, and uh, Al Spittles, who were the three main uh, trainers here in Hamilton, Ontario. Okay. And uh, 
he uh, went out to Calgary and got that championship, which was really hard to do at that time, I realize mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and to have the uh, respect of Stu Hart, that alone, yeah. when he recognizes that he has talent, yeah. because we all know about the legendary Stu and his dungeon and his training and stretching <laughs> of, of uh, wrestlers. So that is great. Yes. It is. And, and I do believe my dad was stretched. I think that was like a, uh, a rite of passage for any wrestler that came oh, yeah. in. That oh, is yeah. true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Stu probably enjoyed it. Loved every minute of it. My, I, I can't do it, but my dad used to do a really good impersonation of Stu. <laughs> like I think oh. everybody, a lot of guys did. Well, if you throw a few uh, haze there, what is it, S? How do you say that at the end of the sentence? A? It's okay. raining outside, eh? A? That's what yeah. I remember of the... Of Canadian? Yeah, yeah kind of the Stu Hart thing. Yes, we say A a lot, and we say sorry a lot. Oh. <laughs> if I don't say sorry 10 times a day, I lose my passport. Oh, oh wow. wow. Well, and saying sorry is good. So It is. It is. Did you ever wonder what could have been with the AWA had things gone differently? Had their fortunes gone differently? Had certain wrestlers not left and perhaps more money would have been at the disposal of the Ganyas? Well, wonder no further. You can go to Brad Drake's YouTube channel and experience the 1987 Supermod for yourself. As Brad Drake starts off in May 1987, along with Greg Ganya, Baron Von Rotschke, Vern Ganya himself, Nick Bockwinkle, Larry Zabisco, Kurt Hennig, and a slew of others as he plays and saves the AWA. Let me ask you this, Paige. Um, your interact, interact. Your dad was a Calgary, obviously champion, young man. Uh, you and your sister were pretty young. Your interaction with the Hearts. I'm not talking about Sue. I'm talking about all those kids. You had like what, 15 of them or something like that? I think. Oh, there were yeah. There's like 12 or 13 of them for sure. Yeah, I know there's a lot of kids. Did you ever interact with them? Like, I mean. Uh I did later in life. I'm friends with Diana Hart and okay. uh, Ross. Um, I have met Brett. Um, but when I was younger, um, my dad used to go to Stu's house. Uh, I don't know to talk about. I don't know what they were talking about because I was very clueless to what was going on in the wrestling. My dad kept it very, very separate from our family life. And uh, my dad uh, had to go up to the house and uh, he would take us along with him because we'd spend as much time as we could together when he wasn't working. And uh, he would take us along for the ride. So we would go up to the house. And I remember we were, it was winter and very cold. And uh, <clears throat> we pulled up and my dad went in to talk to Stu. And I was sitting in the back seat. And I'm assuming it's Owen or one of the younger kids. Uh, we're in the window and they're going like that at me. <laughs> And I'm like, well, I didn't, you know, do anything. I just kind of looked and uh, my dad came out to the car and he, I told him what happened. And uh, so I guess a few days later he told Stu, which I don't know why he would tell him. And I, whatever kid it was, he got punishment for that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But he had a lot of respect for my dad. And, you know, to have the yeah. respect of Stu Hart, which is one of the greatest promoters ever. Yeah. Um, 
you know, my dad really um, made it young and um, his uh, performance was incredible. And just like uh, any wrestler, you know, your your stay only lasts so long. And yeah. you know, we, we were there about uh, five, six months and then it was time to move on. So we ended up in Montreal and uh, that's when the... Uh, he was with Carl von Schatz. Uh, he met John Anson in Calgary. Okay. And uh, John was a lot younger, that was seven years younger than my dad or so. And uh, they seemed to team well together. Um, and my dad flew out to Montreal and uh, with Earl Black, who was another um, kind of heel, bald dude. And uh, it didn't quite work out. And then John Anson came out. And then my dad uh, and him created this... Uh, Kurt Von has Carl Von Schott's tag team and uh, were rivals for a number of months with uh, the Rougeau brothers, who were also the promoters. Uh, yes. Yeah. You, you know, that it's so interesting when you just mentioned uh, John Anson. Yes. I believe that was in his original, he was uh, handsome John Anson. That's correct. When he had hair and he was... Uh, because I have programs from him in the Portland territory. Yeah, he's from the West Coast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now and, he lives know, on an island somewhere. So. And I really love what you said when you said you didn't know what your dad did, and, and he kind of no. kept it all a secret and everything. And I can't tell you, Paige, how many times I hear uh, siblings of wrestlers that say that. And yeah. you know that just says your dad not only did his job well in those days because. A lot of times families didn't know what, you know, they did and what yeah. it meant. And that was all part of that kayfabe thing that, you know, it was. It just... was yeah, it was very strong back then. I mean, yeah. I've educated myself as I've gotten older and, and you know, now the Internet and everything. So every so much information is available right. um, back then. You know, my dad kept it so separate because he was so afraid of, you um, retaliation from fans um because it really got heated yeah. um he caused riots with carl and um you know he would have people follow him home and he'd have to talk them down and make them realize that this is my home life now you're yeah. interfering yeah. with um, you know, my dad had a very diplomatic way of, of talking people down. You know, he was a more calmer one. Carl was a bit of a wild card. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he was young and feisty, whereas my dad had more uh, calmness about him and had to put on the, the, the heel term when he had to. But he was naturally yeah. just a nice guy, you know, um, very laid back, easygoing guy at home, you know, but at, at as far as protecting us, you know, he didn't tell us a lot about the business. And if we didn't know about it, we couldn't talk about it. Sure. Sure. And back then, you you yeah. can ask any of the children of the big stars from back then, uh, Pamela Morrison being one, she had no, we were not smartened up whatsoever on the business. And I only heard, you know, little chit chat here and there that kind of clued me in. I mean, I'm, as you get older, you're like, okay, well, maybe that isn't real. I don't know. But my dad was coming home with rope burns, uh, bruises, black eyes, uh, <laughs> knee knee injuries, um, uh, mat burns, um, uh, obviously, you know, uh, 
blood yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, cuts. Yeah. Um, but he uh, always um, maintained a good family home for us always. Like he would turn off when he walked in the door. One of the things that I always thought was so interesting is because he's playing a bad German, an evil German. And back in that era, still in that era, you know, we weren't as politically correct and uh, sensitive to it like we are today as a society, and we should be. I mean, it's you couldn't pull that stuff off today. And no. the fact that the fact that your dad was able to become that German, that hated German, that drew so much anguish from the fans and hatred, um, it's it's dangerous. I mean, Very. you know, and so I totally understand why he came home the way he did and said, hey, you don't know what I'm doing and let's leave it that way. I totally agree. And I'm glad he did, because if I'd have known. um I don't think it would have been very good. Yeah. Um, he would, he would have felt more. Uh, he felt at ease when we let knew less. He just wanted us to go to school, sure. meet fr meet friends, which we didn't get to have friends for very long. Um, my sister was more outgoing than I am, so um, I was more bookish, and you know, I kept to myself. But um, he really worried about us girls and my mother, of course, you know, being um, around that environment. And we rarely got to go to matches. I, I used to watch them on TV. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Did you, did you have any instances where the, a kid or kids at school did know that he was your dad? Or was that really successfully kept from them and you didn't have to worry about any retaliation or... Uh, no, I always got found out. Uh, oh. I would say that in the seminar. Um, somehow, yeah. I mean, kid, wrestling was so, uh, it was crazy back then. I, yeah. I, I don't know how else to say it. And it's been, yeah. especially whatever territory we into made the difference. So um, when we were in Montreal, it was very sheltered. So we didn't see much of anything because that was really dangerous wrestling. That was like bloody and uh, violent and uh, shoot, uh, you know, a lot of times. Uh, it, and my dad refused to let us see that. And uh, so Montreal was probably the best place as far as a shelter. And we were much younger then, too. But as we got older, you know, he, uh, I, when I would go to school, I wouldn't tell anyone uh, at all. And somehow somebody would find out. Uh, eventually they would find out uh they would see me together with him you know at the gas station or something one sure. little like one little thing and then all of a sudden I'd go to school on the next day and everybody go I didn't know your dad was Kurt Von Hess and it's just like and I had mixed uh you know I I, I said in the seminar you know a lot of boys uh, young boys were totally enamored with that they could not believe that my dad was a wrestler and what's that like and they were so curious but there were a few times where uh, I had difficulty at school, uh, changing schools so much, but also with friends and, and actually girls um, would challenge me um, to fight. Oh, boy. Just because of who my dad is. And, uh, you know, I had a really bad fight uh, that I did not, uh, and I would never initiate a fight. I, I'm a very easygoing, I'm a lot like my dad, actually. Very easygoing, I'm, I'm, but not the wrestling part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You're really but, a hated but, German and you're not telling us. Yes, yes, deep down. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson. Fans of the AWA, you are in for a real treat. My friend, Joyce Postion, has just released her book titled, My Ringside Seat to the AWA. Joyce writes about her personal experiences with wrestlers such as Nick Bockwinkel, Lord Alfred Hayes, Baron Von Raschke, and others. Joyce also has published many photos from her collection that you will not see anywhere else. Order today by email at joyce.postion at gmail.com. Payment is through PayPal. The book is only $20 plus $6 shipping and handling. International orders, please email Joyce for shipping charge. Folks, run. Don't walk to your keyboard and order today. And enjoy the podcast. But, uh, you know, I did have one challenge in Nashville. My dad was uh, um, the assassin at the time with Randy Colley. Mm-hmm. And he was assassin number two, and he was working for in Nashville. So that would have been for uh, Jerry Jarrett, I believe. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And uh, I used to ride the school bus. Um, and uh, anyway, this girl challenged me on the bus. She said, "Your Kurt, your Kurt Barhas's daughter, show me, show me what you can do." And she pushed me and shoved me, and oh, to my. the point I went out of the off the bus. And she got off at my stop, and uh, she beat the living car out of me. Oh my! Oh no! That's that's sad. She broke yeah, my nose. She broke my finger. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. It was just a. It was a really. Oh, it was a horrible thing. Um, so long story short, she got suspended for a week, this girl, and she was unsupervised. Her father was a truck driver, no mom around. So she was a bit of a wild girl to begin with. She, she wanted that. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up getting suspended as well, just to keep me home, uh, away from that for a while. And, um, my dad's always brought us up to not, uh, uh, discriminate whatsoever when we, right. we've met a lot of people in our life, um, you know, fans, uh, people at school, people in our community. And what happened was uh, this girl ended up um, continuing to antagonize me to the point my mom had to get involved. And my, my dad really couldn't, uh, given his position, it's it, it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having this big monster of a guy come in and, you know, intimidate this girl who is probably 12 or 11. And, uh, but yeah, she, she really did some damage and, uh, I was just crushed. And that's, I think that's a point when my dad really realized how wrestling was starting to affect my life. Yeah. And, uh, that was the start of him starting to plan for us to come home and have, you know, me be in high school and, and my, my sister as well. And uh, have a normal life here back in Canada because we've been on the road so long. Yeah. Now your dad. Uh, but this girl just. Um, so when I went back. To... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was I just going to say when I went back to school, mm-hmm. this. Uh, so the uh, the the these girls um, of color really liked me, and you know, and that's what I was getting back to the discrimination my dad i i looked at everybody the same um yeah. just love everybody which is good it's a, such a good quality to have and yes. my dad instilled that in my sister and i and uh so when i went back these girls of color got this girl and she got oh she got it back 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they said, don't you ever go near her again. <laughs> <laughs> well, God bless them for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to ask you, I, I read uh, your dad had retired uh, in the 70s, was it? No, he retired in... Um, it was listed as 1986, but it's actually okay. 1989. Yeah, it was. Okay. He was working in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're older then. But I mean, as you went through high school, uh, college, uh, were you were you more involved, I guess? Were you kind of with your dad? Like after high school, I'm assuming, you know, you're an adult now and, and you're going to school. Yeah. Um, but did you get involved anything in the business wise or like help him or promote him or something like that or, or not really or? No, not at all. Actually, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't even talk about uh, very much about wrestling at home. Uh, I would just hear through phone calls and things like that, but he, no, I never got involved. He never allowed me to. Um, I don't even know if I would have at the time because he was his own manager he, for all for many years. He did everything himself. Yeah. You know, in the early days, he had, you know, Eddie Creechman or George Cannon because he wasn't quite good on the mic yet. Yeah. But as soon as he got that, he didn't need the manager anymore. He just needed a partner. Yeah. So from that, he ended up, uh, you know, doing, having quite a career. But yeah, he uh, he really um, didn't uh, ask too much of me. Although my sister was uh, misbehaving one summer, and uh, he took her on the road because my mother was so sick and tired of her driving us crazy, and uh, he so he took her on the road and made her sell programs for. And it was a um, I don't know if you know of Dave, you know of Dave McKickney. Yes, um, yep, the, the bear, bear man. man, the bear man, yeah. Right. So that summer, my dad worked for the Bear Man and they went all up in northern Ontario and she was gone for like two, three months. My sister, Allison, and uh, my dad trying to straighten her out. And uh, she loved it. But yeah, I had, I, she loved it. Yeah, yeah. And my mother needed a break. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so... I take it your dad mostly worked Canada. I mean, I know he worked the States some, but was his main hub uh, Ontario, Winnipeg? Uh, no, uh, no. Well, he was in the Detroit territory with. Detroit was his Park. main spot. Yes. Okay. Detroit was his main spot. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I had read that, but you know, you got to check. You got to check. Fact check. Oh, yeah. No, I understand. You know, um, Carl and my dad um, were in Montreal uh, in 72, and the Sheik came there for this big event at Jari Park, which had 27,000 people attend. It was an outdoor event. The previous week, the Rolling Stones, uh, they beat their pop their uh, numbers. Wow. Uh, so they were at this and and of course the sheik started a riot he was like up against johnny rougeau or jacques rougeau i'm not sure and uh he ended up uh my dad and uh carl had to go into and get the sheik out because yeah. he was getting there because once they go crazy that's it you're it's done like yeah. you you have to get out 
Yeah. And uh, my dad, and this is and this is a story I've heard from Carl. I didn't even hear this from my dad. So um, my dad didn't share too many stories. Um, but uh, Carl said that uh, um, they were sent in by one of the Rougeaus to get uh, the Sheik out of there. And it was getting pretty bad. Things were flying. And, you know, so they got him back. And uh, the Sheik had known my dad in shots, or I say shots, but Carl for quite some time, for, you know, for a while. Um, right. They were making a name for themselves uh, in Montreal. And uh, the Sheik said, you got to come and work for me. And uh, sure enough, they were there by October of 72, maybe November. And uh, they ended up winning five times for the tag team. NWA oh, Detroit. Yep. Um, and my yep. dad won it once with Carl Von Bronner. Um, so my dad actually has six. NWA oh, okay. uh, tag team title Detroit version. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. And he worked for him for a number of years um, until it went a bit south. And, you know, so other options were coming forward. I know the U yeah. UWA, UW, UWA had started. And my dad also had an uh, opportunity to go down to the Carolinas and work for IWA and uh, uh, Eddie Einhorn. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jim or, or Johnny Powers, uh, along with um, Ron Martinez. Yep. And uh, they ran the IWA, and he was quite successful down there, too. He was with, uh, um, oh, gosh, I can't remember now. He had so many partners. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. so we did a lot in the, in the South, uh, yeah. the U.S. Let me ask you this, Paige. Um when the expansion was going on with WWF, when Vince Jr. had taken over, mm. impacted a lot of wrestlers, a lot of promotions, you know, the territory days. How what was that like for you and your family, your dad? Did it, did he ever say anything about it? I mean, I know he didn't talk much, but I mean, by then, I you were older, yeah. And I don't know if he ever said anything like, you know, I can't believe this guy's doing this, or if he's like, this might be good for the business, or what was his, as far as you know, what was his uh, opinion on the matter? Uh, early days, my dad worked for Vince Senior, um, not not consistently, but you know, certainly, um, you know, he take a trip. For a week to new york and come back and you know just do some shoot some matches and and you know mm -hmm. just um you that know that was when he was bill terry right uh that's when he was kurt von hess as well oh, he was oh. he was okay okay yeah so um the my dad would always say you know and a lot of other wrestlers used to say if i could only get in the new york office that's all mm -hmm. they want yeah. and uh you know a lot of guys who had major talent including my dad were turned away and uh you know my dad went on to other promotions and as the years went on and in the early 80s mid 80s uh when the takeover happened um my dad that was career ending for my dad almost you know it's um he went in and was uh he did a, a few matches for vince jr and um basically he was treated like uh enhancement and he wasn't you know, he was, oh, he was, was more than that. He was more than that. Yeah. He was much mm -hmm. more than that. 
Uh, certainly was. I was just talking to uh, Terry uh, J.H., who runs the Maple Leaf Wrestling uh, site here. And he said this morning to me, he goes, even with, with Maple Leaf Wrestling, the same thing happened. Um, you know, he wasn't put over, and he should have been. Um, he was, a, uh, you know, just one of those guys that he could fit into anything. And he would, you know, and he had the good ring uh, psychology and um, he had the experience and um, had been in every ter territory except for AWA, which he never did. And uh, uh. a couple of other small promotions, but most most of the major territories, he was there. Wrestling fans, promoters, wrestlers, and anyone who enjoys pro wrestling now have something new to be excited about. The Wrestling Fans International Association, the WFIA, is back. WFIA is an association that exists to promote, grow, and support professional wrestling throughout the world. Membership is free. Your membership includes a free digital bi-monthly publication of the Wrestling Fan News newsletter, association updates, voting privileges and much more please go to the wfia.org that's t-h-e-w-f-i-a.org and become a member today well yeah. and you know Paige, what you what you're describing is is what most of the wrestlers felt when that expansion and that takeover that vince jr did you know we had all these wrestlers from all these territories that had so much talent and so much to give to the business yet and there just weren't enough places for them. And Vince was more content on embarrassing people at that point and only making stars of guys that he wanted to go with his with his expansion route. And so, you know, good wrestlers, they'd come in and be, you know, you're going to job for this guy or that guy. And, and I don't have room for you in my territory because and then as he's taking the territories down, there's no place for these wrestlers to then go to. And that's yeah. what made that whole thing so sad. It was yeah. sad, and my dad was my my dad was sad about it. Yeah. It 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 was career crushing because those territories that was his bread and butter, yeah. and you know he couldn't go back to them because it was all bought up and conglomerated into one big thing. Yeah. And you're absolutely right when you say that. I saw guys. I've seen matches where they are humiliated, humiliated. And it really upset me back then when I, I just saw a match recently of my dad wrestling um, with uh, um, one of the, uh, the uh, Vachons, uh, Paul Vachon and my dad, and, and it was the, the Blue Demons. And these guys are like veterans. And, you know, and it was like 1983, 84. And uh, Vince brought him in and put him on TV and did made these blue demons look like they're like the be all end all and here's these two guys who could out wrestle anybody yeah and we're so tough you know yeah. and but it was all at his direction and then my dad had enough you know he says i'm not going to be he would walk away before he'd be humiliated yeah. boy i've heard guys say that to other wrestlers that uh they did they just decided to leave the business rather than let this happen at the end like this my dad actually retired for about sounds sounds but this is wrestling don't forget eight yeah. months <laughs> he took eight months off and tried to do a regular job and sure. uh you know he was just so um disheartened by the whole thing and uh he tried to do that straight 
the normal life and uh, he ended up back in it again and uh, you know as soon as he got a lead and you know and he was back down into uh, mid-south for bill watts so yeah yeah and that's where he ended his career okay wow i tell you yeah it uh like george said it's just it was so sad how everything went down i i always have felt even as a kid, you know, when, because I, I was, I grew up in Wisconsin, you know, George is in Minnesota, uh, but I watched AWA, you know, Vern Gagne. I mean, every Sunday morning uh, before church, it was on. Uh, and I would watch it. Some people when didn't go to church to watch. Yeah. That was more important. Yeah. Well, I had to be careful because my parents. It was like church. <laughs> it was. Uh, my parents weren't fans of it, so uh, I had to be very careful. When they'd see it on, they'd turn the channel. But when I was at my grandma's, I was good. My grandma had let me watch it, and my dad and mom couldn't say anything because it's my grandma, you know, and that's my mom's mom. So, not, yeah. Anyway, what my point is is that I just felt like, uh, you know, like your guys like your dad and others that were kind of put out to pasture because of whatever reason. And they didn't have any other opportunities because he was putting everybody else, you know, either out of business or buying them up. Yes. And I feel like even now today, uh, and maybe you can expand on this more, that you got two or three big ones now. You got Impact up in Canada. That's a big one up there. Yes. And then you got WWE here and AEW. That's the, that's the three. Mm -hmm. Everything else is... You know, indie, which is not a bad thing. Indies are, yeah, indies are great. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying they're not on TV. They're not, you know, they're not getting that exposure. No. What is your opinion on that today as far as, do you watch the product or do you just kind of like, just watch your dad's old videos and some other old ones on YouTube or what do you, what's that? What do you do with that? You know what? Um... First of all, before my dad passed away in 1999, he was obviously watching the Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. uh, so at that point, he was disappointed that there weren't proper wrestling moves, lots of sex, um, lots of storylines rather than wrestling. Um, I mean, dad was old school. Everything was old school. You go in the, you know, the we. He didn't practice before a wrestling match. He didn't do uh, right, you know, maybe he would have written down a few notes or whatever, you know, what is going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, other than that, he was very, he just knew what he had to do. And, you know, back then yeah. those guys just got in the ring and did their thing. Um, exactly. He didn't like it was so choreographed. And, yeah. um, you know, obviously for TV, you have to do that and during that era. But he yeah. really was disappointed. But at yeah. the same time, you watched it every week. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. One, of the, things, one of the things that uh, you mentioned earlier, Paige, is, you know, that you had moved 17 different times and you were in these territories. And right there, you're explaining how the business was when we had all these various territories around the country where mm -hmm. there were uh, probably 3,000 wrestlers that were making money and could go when they got old or stale in a certain territory, they could move on to another one. There was a place to go. 
Sometimes they did it out of necessity. And then when that territorial system was taken apart, now they didn't have a place to go. If they didn't work for Vince, they didn't have a place to work or at least yeah. a place to go to make a decent living. That's and right. you've just described it best. Plus how hard it was for you as a child growing up where you're in the different school every year, not forming solid friendships, which is basic to a childhood. Um, you have my my empathy with that. Yeah. It's yeah. It wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. But we didn't know any other way. Exactly. We were brought up very young in the wrestling business. Well, away from the wrestling business, but in it. I don't. I could. Right. It, it, I mean, I used to have uh, friends like in Montreal. Their dads were wrestlers. We didn't know their dad, or they didn't know my dad. We were just friends. Yeah. Um, you know, my dad could have been in the ring with her dad that night and beating the crap out of him. I don't know. <laughs> but we had, yeah, very hard to keep friendships. Um, yeah. the, the most dearest friendship I had was with um, um, Afa, the Wild Samoans' daughter, uh, Monica. Uh, I mentioned that also in my seminar and how I have yeah. a great relationship with Afa. He is my dad's. Uh, when my dad passed away, he came to me. We've been friends for many, many years. We used to live in the same territory, the same houses, hotels, whatever. We, we, we were like gypsies living together. It was just a wonderful time in the 70s and, you know, just so free. And, you know, we just would go around as a big family. It'd be Afa and Sika and their wives and, and their mm -hmm. kids and but Monica and I, that was probably the most solid friendship I had as a child um, because she could relate to the, the way we lived yeah. and uh, we could relate to each other. I, I, I didn't yeah. have anyone who could understand the way I lived. Yeah. Very hard to explain to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I tell you, I was in the military 26 years. We probably moved about quite a few times. I don't know if it was 17, but it was probably close. And uh, it's hard on a kid. Even in that business, you know, it's hard. And I can imagine. I, I gotta say, uh, for you, I mean, moving around that much, uh, you're so bubbly and very happy and, and positive. And, and, and that's great, because some kids, unfortunately, take a different path yes. when they get older. And, and go left instead of straight or right and so I, I commend you and i commend your mom and dad for uh, raising you like that so i had very protective loving parents um unfortunately mm -hmm. they're both passed away now god bless them um yeah. but um they uh ruled they were like our protectors you know they watched over us you know if my and my dad was absent a lot too so you have to keep that in mind you know so my mother would have to um really watch what's going on you know because yeah. It's such a dangerous business, and back then, no political correctness, no manners, yeah. nothing. You know, we had one time where, you know, it was uh, we weren't allowed to go to the matches very often. And uh, the one time in Cloverdale, BC, we were working. My dad was working for um, Gene Kaniski, and uh, he ended up uh, having a match uh, with um, Sika, the Wild Samoan. And uh, it turned into pretty, pretty bad. 
And uh, we would always go out to the car ahead of time and, and um, somebody would let us know from the back, hey, you better get to the car, you know, because it, it's all about timing, you know, just make sure yeah. we're safe, get out, you know, and we, we're sitting in the car and we see my dad running out of the door with a trail of people behind him throwing cups of urine and garbage and lit cigarettes and, you know, um, and him still in his gear, um, you know, just and blood coming down his head from the match. And, uh, you know, he got to the car and got in the car barely. And uh, yeah. then they started rocking the car. I thought it was going to go over on the side. And yeah. some, some police and some other workers, wrestlers came out and, uh, you know, got them away. And uh, we took off. And I just remember looking at my dad, seeing this garbage all over him and how smelly he was. And I thought, oh, my God, he was just so humiliated. But it's the nature of the business. I was going to say, I, unfortunately, that was the nature of the beast back then. Yeah. It, he did his job. He, he did his job well because he was so hated. <laughs> yeah. People loved to hate him. I have people yeah. today saying, I hated your dad. <laughs> I hated him with all my everything. Like they just, and they, but they're, yeah. they're so respectful to me as his daughter. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. continue to, um, you know, praise him and, and make sure that he is um, out there and, and well known yeah. for his accomplishments. You know, it isn't often that I say this or that I have said this, but, you know, back in that era when, when they were living that gimmick, yeah. be it the ethnic villain or heel, and so hated, and they got over so well with it. And as you say, they were so hated. Yes. Um in, in a lot of ways, it's better today that the business is open as it is, because now people are able to understand that it's like an actor on TV. They're playing a part. That's and right. That they may not be that persona, that bad guy that, you know, they're perceived to be and want to be during that, that wrestling card. Yeah. Yeah. I find I, the emphasis... In my era, that's what it was. You had to you had to get over and be hated and do it well. Do it well. And that's the thing. If my dad heard booze, you know, and, and you know, them, you know, really digging into him, that's money to him. Yep, yep. exactly. That's, that's music to his ears when he hears that because that's money. And people yeah. don't realize that. So I, I would go, I very rarely go to the matches. When I had gone, I'd see him in there and, you know, he'd just have this way about him where he would scare everybody. He'd just come in and have this, his eyes bulging out and he would just pick, he'd find a kid in the audience, a little boy, maybe 10, 12, and he would hold on to this, the tag rope and he'd just look over at him and he'd just keep looking at him. And then it got worse and worse. And he'd get to the point, he'd make the kid cry. And, <laughs> and the parents controlling the kid. And it's just like, that's him doing his job. Yeah, yeah. Because that kid's wow. going to go watch him on TV and remember that. Yeah. And tell his friends. So that, it's all by word of mouth back then. Oh, yeah. 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 I tell you, um, I agree with George. The only thing I think today it, that's not good is if you're in a feud with somebody right and then they do the match or whatever and then 20 minutes later 
uh, they're on social media, you know, arm around each other and, you know, uh, great match, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's the only thing I don't. Well, I don't care for that at all either. I mean, I, I, I no, I'm just pointing that out because yeah. I think today it, it's, uh, it's, I don't know how to say it, uh, but it's not as good as it used to be, in my opinion, too. You know, I'm 52 years old. I grew up in the 80s, late 70s, 80s, watching this, and I've seen it make such much a turn in my adolescence, you know, making this huge turn. And, you know, the attitude era, like when your dad or your dad watched it and stuff. And I was in my 20s then, late 20s. I didn't really care for it either. I thought it was a little too much. I mean, this is about wrestling, not guys trying to get girls and do inappropriate things on television. That's another channel. No, no. That's another that's another channel at another program at a later time in the evening that that stuff can be done. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. Anyway, what I, I wanted to say, what I wanted to ask you one more thing before we go, unless George has anything, is that what are you up to now? Are you, you know, are you doing anything with the business, or do you watch it, or or what's going on with with Paige Von Hess Sutherland? Uh, well, right now, I, I do keep up on matches because, you know, I, I always, I, I've found that, you know, uh, since my dad's passed, I just dug in and found information on him as much as possible on his career. Uh, and, and with that, I end up catching other stories. And then it comes to today. And, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, a lot of second, third generation wrestlers that come from my dad's era you know they're they're the kids kids and you know and such you know like Cody Rhodes or whoever and you know I just watch some of it out of interest I don't watch it regularly I just watch little clips um but I, I have to say my dad would be even more disappointed today like you say about the you know the arms around each other I went to an independent match not long ago and I was in the audience and I am so used to old school wrestling and when I saw this I thought my dad would just lose his mind over this um wrestler we're, so we're all seating to watch this match and the wrestler two wrestlers who are about to to, to have a match were out talking to fans in the audience before the show and i'm like where's the mystery here where's the the magic you know that i know uh -huh. it wasn't there and it, yeah. it really, that was disappointing. And my dad would, you know, I would never see him when he entered an arena. And if I was at the match, I would not see him at all. Like he would, yeah. he would peek behind the, the curtain and give me a wink. That was it. Uh, Cause I knew he was there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Otherwise he didn't communicate. He didn't even acknowledge. We, we didn't, um, we went into a match, we go into, we'd sit in the audience and we were not allowed, that's when we were not allowed to say anything. We kept our mouths shut and that's the only way we would get to come back again. Otherwise, because he was yeah. so afraid of somebody coming at us, but you know, yeah. the magic is gone completely. I, I There's no heel baby face situation anymore, I find. I find it's just yeah. like. Two guys getting ready, and the skill itself. Uh, uh, you know, I've, uh, I won't. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> like, it's okay. Let it out. 
<laughs> where 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 are the moves? Where where are they? Well, you know, and you know, Paige, you know, when you talk about all of this, back in that era with K Fade and making it real, living it real for the mm -hmm. fans, mm -hmm. any promoter in a territory, they would they would literally fine or or get rid of wrestlers if they broke that K Fade. And if yeah. you had two wrestlers that were on opposite sides and you're in the middle of a program together and you're seen together, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't good. And you're gone because you've yeah. just broken the whole code of secrecy. Well, and, that happened, uh, happened to us. Yeah. My dad, when we were in Calgary, my dad had an angle with, I mentioned this in the seminar, um, John Quinn and him had an angle going mm -hmm. and my dad and John Quinn were very good friends. We didn't, we obviously were kept away from everything. So we didn't know. And we're having dinner at this little restaurant in downtown Calgary and with John and my dad. And um, these fans come around and they start pounding on the window and they see us and like, what are you guys doing to get like really upset? And we had to get moved. My dad ended up going to the back of the restaurant. So he wasn't seen at all. And then we all moved to the back because yeah. they went mental. And, you know, Stu was really really ticked off about that i'm sure yeah yeah like that's how secretive yeah. it was yeah i didn't even yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know if you've ever heard of the wrestler eddie sharkey eddie, but, sharkey? Uh, eddie sharkey um mm -hmm. he was a really good really good hand and, and wrestler in the 60s and he trained a lot he trained the road warriors and people like that but eddie made a comment he said that his own parents went to their graves believing that what he did in the ring was real. He said, that's how much it was instilled into him that you don't blow the whistle. You don't yeah. talk about it. No. Yeah. And I think that pretty well sums it up. I yeah. agree. It was almost like a, um, a lot of people compare wrestling in the, that era with the kayfabe um, to a, a brotherhood like a mafia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah, same yeah. Uh, um, uh, way of thinking, um, the way you protected each other in the business, same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, very, totally very, uh, very quiet. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, George, you have anything to add, sir? No, I, I think we've pretty much covered it. I, I'm delighted that we had a chance to meet, and I agree with Brian. You're very bubbly and upbeat and i yeah. love sharing you know hearing your stories because uh, oh, thank you i've got a million uh, of them <laughs> well maybe you come oh. on again some other time if you want yeah. to discuss more i certainly can yeah i appreciate it uh, one more time ladies and gentlemen the daughter of kurt von hess Paige von hess sutherland ma'am thank you for coming sure. on today the newly inducted fourth queen with the CAC trio of Darla Staggs, Barbara Goodish, and Pamela Morrison. Thank you for coming on today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, George. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Thank, thank you. you. Thank All you. right, folks, if you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. And if you haven't subscribed, please do so, and we will talk to you soon.